just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Friday edition, Pro Football Talk Live. Full hour to go, getting you ready for the draft. Six days away, Peter King, Mike Florio. Uh, and, and I'm disappointed that we already know what the first two picks are going to be. And, and it, it, if the first two picks aren't Trevor Lawrence to the Jaguars and Zach Wilson to the Jets, those will be the most stunning developments in the history of the draft because there's been no effort by either team to push back against all the momentum that's pointing toward Lawrence 1, Wilson 2. The draft begins at 3 and 4. The draft begins when we find out whatever the 49ers have had up their sleeve for the last month, assuming they know what they have up their sleeve, and there are some who say they still don't know what they have up their sleeve, and then whatever the Falcons plan at 4. Peter, let's start with the Falcons at four because you and I have spoken a lot about it you've written about it you had some great stuff this week they've got options they've almost got too many options because at some point you got to choose an option it's like let's make a deal you got to pick one of those doors at some point what do you think they're most likely to do draft a quarterback at four take a guy like Kyle Pitts or trade out of that spot Mike this is going to be an absolute guess because I give I give tremendous credit to the Falcons. I really do. Because they got two they got a first-time head coach, they got a first-time GM, and those guys basically have kept a very good lid on what they're going to do. Um my gut feeling is that if they get an offer that is even representative that they will trade down, but that's all it is. It's just a gut feeling. Because I think they look at their team right now and, and you know, you ask yourself this question, okay? If we pick Justin Fields or Trey Lance or maybe Mac Jones, if he is not number three, if we pick one of those quarterbacks, then we're going to feel very good about him to be our quarterback for the long term. But 
Now we have to deal with Matt Ryan over the next two years and this colossal amount of money that he's owed. And, and, and so, you know, we still have that thing about we haven't really improved our team for 2022 or 2021 and probably 22. And in my opinion, if you're Terry Fontenot and you're coming into this team, you see holes on this team that you want to fix. And I believe that if they have an opportunity to get a, an extra one next year by moving down a few spots and how much is a few, I don't know. But if they have that opportunity, you ask me my gut feeling what I think they're going to do. I don't know what they're going to do. And that's the honest truth. But that is what my guess would be that they would do. And if they stay right where they are, uh, I would think they're going to take Kyle Pitts. And and you, you make an excellent point in that it's so critical to keep your cards close to the vest and let no one know what you're really thinking. Because at the end of the day, what you have to do is sell that pick to your fan base, to the media that covers your team. And it's so important to be able to say we got the guy we wanted. And one way to make it clear that you got the guy you wanted is to never say who you wanted. So then whoever you get, and, and look, lying's a big part of the football business. And I think that it blurs the line as to where lying is no longer permissible. But when it comes to PR, it wouldn't surprise me if a team that didn't get the guy it wanted said we got the guy we wanted. And if you don't tell anyone in advance who you want, it's plausible. And the best case scenario for the Falcons, Peter, would be to trade down and still get the guy they wanted. If you go down just a few spots, step aside for somebody to come get Trey Lance and still get the guy you would have taken if you'd put a name on the card at that spot and you pick up more draft capital, that's a home run for the Falcons. And whether it's true or not, they've preserved the ability, if they do trade down, to claim, hey, that's the guy we would have taken at number four. <laughs> hey, look, you know, if you look at where this draft is right now, okay, uh, I don't think Cincinnati is going to trade up to number four. I mean, they're not, okay? I don't believe Miami is trading up to number four. And I don't think Detroit is trading up to four. I think if Detroit goes anywhere, it's down. And then look at the next pick, Carolina. Do you think that the first big move in the history of uh, the new Atlanta Falcons uh you know, general manager and coach, <laughs> that they want to hand a quarterback to a division rival for the next 15 years? I doubt it. So to me, you know, when you talk about trading down, to me, that means one team. That means the Denver Broncos. I can envision the Patriots denuding the next two drafts to move from 15 to 4. I certainly can't imagine Washington or Chicago at 19 or 20 moving up that many. and But I wouldn't be shocked if the Broncos did it. Yeah, I agree with you. They're not happy with Drew Locke, new general manager in George Payton, who's going to have an idea of who he wants at quarterback. And Locke, even though Sims and I believed in him tremendously, not healthy enough, not consistent enough, and at risk of being bounced in favor of someone if they can move up and get a guy like a Lancer if a Justin Fields would end up in their laps. All right, you mentioned the Bengals at five. They never trade up. They never trade down. They never do anything that makes it fun, and that's fine. Small C conservative are the Cincinnati Bengals in many ways, and I think that everything points to Penny Sewell. I think it 
points so clearly to Sewell at five that you have to be aware of just the incremental risk that somebody tries to get to four to get Sewell because I think it's bright line Bengals Sewell at five. Am I wrong? Um, well, I would have said a few days ago, no, you're not wrong. I think they're going to take Sewell. I could still give him Sewell. My mock draft comes out on Monday. That'll be that'll be one of my final calls. But I think there's two things at play here, Mike. Number one is that the Bengals have always liked, you wouldn't think of this because Mike Brown is so conservative. The Bengals have always really fancied themselves an explosive offense. You go back to when I started covering the team, believe it or not, in 1984, Chris Collinsworth and David Verser, you know, the, you want, at, at the time in the early 80s, everybody said, why are they taking so many receivers so high? They got Isaac Curtis. That is what Paul Brown believed. He kind of passed it on to his son. So the only thing that I say in this is that they saw, you know, uh, two years ago at LSU, Joe Burrow throw to Jamar Chase for 1,700 yards and 20 touchdowns. And they saw all this, they've watched all the tape, and they've seen them make beautiful music together. There's no question that Joe Burrow has talked up Jamar Chase inside that building. And and so all I'm saying is that if I had to put a name down right now, 8, 11 a.m. on Friday, April 23, I would put Jamar Chase. And add to that, Mike, there are probably six good second-round tackle prospects that the Bengals could get with their second pick in this draft. So I view them going right now wide receiver, tackle, guard with their first three picks. You mentioned Collinsworth. Burrow was on Collinsworth's podcast earlier this week, and he was very diplomatic. He was very tactful when speaking about that pick and Shereen Williams picked up on it because she said, you know, last year you had Kyler Murray stumping publicly for C.D. Lamb to be drafted by the Arizona Cardinals, even though they had just traded for DeAndre Hopkins. But college teammate, I got to take a stand for my guy. She read it as maybe he doesn't really want Chase or he would have said something. Maybe next level is he said everything he needs to say behind the scenes and he's made his message clear and there's no need to go public and say, I want Jamar Chase, I want Jamar Chase. Maybe he knows. Maybe he knows if he really wants Jamar Chase, he's getting Jamar Chase. I mean, he's the one who's not going to have the benefit of Panay Sewell to keep him from getting injured again. If he wants Chase at a certain point, if I'm Duke Tobin, if I'm Mike Brown, if I'm anyone in that organization, this is the guy I'm building around. You want Chase over Sewell, all right, let's make it work. Mike, I, I, hey, I respect Shereen greatly, but I would, I would disagree with her in this regard. You know, we now, in the sports media, have sort of known Joe Burrow for maybe a year and a half, okay? Ever since he really started getting great at LSU, all right? In that year and a half, has Joe Burrow ever said anything? Ever. Has he said anything? anything. No. He is a just the facts, stay in my lane, that's not my job. 
I read what he said, and I listened to the Collinsworth podcast uh, while I was taking a bike ride in beautiful Prospect Park, Brooklyn, the other day. And I listened to the podcast, and I thought it was so interesting because Chris is so folksy and down homey and everything and tried everything to get him to loosen up. And man, that guy, he doesn't loosen up very well. And that's, but that's just who he is. This is my job. I'm going to do my job. Duke Tobin, you have a job to do. I'm not telling you how to do your job. You pick the players that you think are best for the team, you know? And, and, and so that is, to me, that is who Joe Burrow is. And I respect that. I don't need to have him getting in somebody else's business. I honestly think that he views this as, hey, Duke Tobin, you do your job, I'll do mine. One guy who's done his job very well, Dolphins general manager Chris Greer, making trades, stockpiling picks, and maybe more picks to be stockpiled if they continue this hopscotch game they're playing from 3 to 12 to 6. Could they trade down from 6? Here's Greer talking about that possibility. I think uh, we'll always listen to everything. We've shown that, and I think you owe it to your team and your organization to always listen to any offers that uh, may or may not come. And uh, at the end of the day, you know, as the draft falls and, and gets towards our pick, if, you know, if someone wants to call and, and they make an aggressive pitch to us, we'll uh, evaluate it, look at the board and, and look at our options and we'll make the decision that's best for the Miami Dolphins at that point. You know, Peter, when they traded to 12 and then moved back to six after being in that third spot by virtue of the Laramie Tunsil trade, the general consensus was, and I was one of the ones who reached this conclusion in the moment, well, they're all in with Tua Tonga-Vailoa for 2021. But when you look at where they are right now, and when you consider what we've just discussed, Bengals ain't taking a quarterback at five and not going to trade out of that spot to let someone else take one. That's just not who they are. Falcons at four, if they put Kyle Pitts on the card, the Dolphins have their pick of Trey Lance or Justin Fields at six. And... They're a team that's holding their cards close to the vest. You know, we're going to have a draft coming up in about 15, 20 minutes of all-time draft surprises. Would we not call it a major surprise if they take Lancer Fields? They may have the chance to do it, and I can't rule out that they will. That'd be the shock of shocks in this draft. I don't care who, I don't care what else happens in this draft. If Miami takes quarterback, um, you know, if they take a quarterback fifth in the draft one year and then sixth in the in the draft the next year, man, uh, that's uh, that's to me a bridge too far. You've got to give your quarterback a chance and time, especially because as you just saw in that graphic, can we see that graphic one more time about the Dolphins picks? I want you just to look at one thing with this graphic. And that is not necessarily next year. They're in good shape next year. Not in great shape, but good shape. But the following year with two ones, what that can do for the Dolphins in 2022, because figure this, if they're looking for a quarterback in 2022, they're not going to have had a very good year this year. Let's say they're going to pick 13th next year in the draft. Okay, and there's their pick. And then you've got two ones the following year to fool around with. Now you have the ability, if you're the Miami Dolphins, to go get your quarterback next year. If you take a quarterback at six this year, you ruin Tua Tonga-Valoa. It is over. 
It's over. You've told him, we don't think you're a quarterback. You might as well cut him, honestly. Um, and I, I just, I don't see it happening. Or you could trade him for a second round pick the way the Dolphins gave up a second round pick to get Josh Rosen from the Cardinals after they went 10th overall one year for Rosen, first overall the next year for Kyler Murray. So this kind of thing isn't unprecedented. What would be different here is we're not talking about the first overall pick. We're talking about the Dolphins manipulating the board to still come out of it because they could have stayed at three. Look, if, if they love Lancer Fields, and again, they're not going to tell us, if they think Lancer Fields could come in and be dramatically better than Tua was last year, they're not going to admit it, but they could maybe look at this and say, all right, we back out of three because we think Kyle Shanahan wants Mac Jones, so Lance and Fields are still going to be there. Now we get a chance to get back to six, and they did them all together. It wasn't like they did one trade, and then they did the next trade a week or two right. later. It was all one broader transaction. So before they knew they were getting out of three, they knew they were getting back to six. And I just, given the amount of thought and effort and strategy that goes into this draft, I can't rule out the possibility that they've worked out all the scenarios and that they may end up getting a quarterback that they secretly love fall to them at six. And maybe if that guy's there, they take him. And if not, they can trade down and get a receiver, a skill position player later. I just can't close the door on it because we've seen too many crazy things. Peter, there was once a team that took quarterbacks, two quarterbacks in the first round in the same year, technically. Do you know what I'm talking about? Right, the Dallas Cowboys, Steve Walsh, exactly. and Troy Aikman. Yeah. So I, I can't. When it comes to quarterbacks and the draft. importance of the quarterback position, yeah. you're giving up your first round pick for next year, and that would have been a high first round pick because they were one in fifteen. Yeah. Think about that. 1989, yeah. I, they I, make Troy Aikman the I first can't. overall pick, and they would have been in position again for another high yeah. pick. Uh, my point is this: in the first place, we know how. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say. I don't think Miami would have ever traded down from three if they were seriously thinking about taking a quarterback because seriously, you know, if you're going to like one of those guys, if you trade from three to 12 and then even coming back to six, okay, there's a good chance you're going to have one quarterback left at number six and you don't know who that is. What if you say, oh man, we love Justin Fields. Why would you make that trade if you want to take Justin Fields? Because you have no idea if Justin Fields on March 29 is going to be there. There's one explanation, okay? And I think it's pretty simple, and it would explain why they did these moves together. 3 to 12, 12 to 6, boom, boom, rapid fire. If they both, or if they love both guys, Lance and Fields, if you make the assessment, Jones is the guy that Shanahan's going to take, or if you love all three. If you've decided, but you can't make that assessment. What if they made that decision? You can't make that assessment at that time. You can't. You can't make the. In the only way to me that if you're if you're Miami and you love a quarterback, I mean, do you love three of them? I mean, that's the only way you would say. Let's move. Well, we'll find out. I I would tend to doubt that. I don't, I don't believe that. I don't think he loves three enough to ruin his next two drafts uh, to move up to take one. But we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I just have my doubts about that. Well, I, my point is Shanahan loves Lawrence 
Wilson and whoever he takes. Because there is, when you're at three, two of the other guys are going to be gone. And by now we know. We weren't 100% sure a month ago that it was going to be Wilson, two to the Jets. But my point is this. And and I think we, we need to take a step back and look at what happened last year. What did what did Brian Flores do multiple times last year with his rookie quarterback? He benched him. He benched him for Ryan Fitzpatrick during him. a game. Instead of letting the guy finish, it was get this guy the hell off the field. Now, he did it in a very tactful way. He never had a locker room problem. I think Brian Flores is on his way to becoming a great head coach because he manages his team incredibly well and doesn't have a bunch of, a bunch of leaks and discontent and schisms in the locker room. But, hey, I, I, look, I, I, who knows where the ceiling is on Tua? But Flores has had a whole year to work with him now. And I'm just saying we can't rule out the possibility that Flores and Greer have decided whether it's Jones, Lance, and Fields, or whether it's just Lance and Fields. Huge upgrade over Tua. We need our franchise guy. We've got all the other pieces in place. We're going to go for it. I, I, I'm just I'm not saying it's going to happen. I, I'm just saying that we've seen enough crazy crap go down over the years that we can't just say there's no way it'll happen. I can say it. There's no way it'll happen. <laughs> See, I just Old said Old takes it. exposed. Old takes exposed. Alert, alert, alert. Good. Fred, Good. freezing cold takes. Get ready. Good. Mark this moment, 8.23 a.m. Eastern on Friday, the 23rd of April. All right, the Lions at 7. The Lions at 7. That one fascinates me. You mentioned the possibility they could trade down. They got Jared Goff, and, I mean, all due respect, you know what follows all due respect. It's Jared Goff. Uh, I, 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 I love this pick because I have no idea what the Lions are going to do, in part because I don't know who's making the call, Peter. You got a lot of chefs in that kitchen. You got Chris Spielman. You got Rod yeah. Wood, who supposedly wasn't going to be involved in football and is very involved in football. You got Dan Campbell. You got Brad Holmes. Everybody but the owner has a spoon in the stew here. I, I, I can't wait to see what they do because I have no idea what it's going to be. Look, <clears throat> Mike, as you start to look at this draft, the one thing that you see when you start to get into sort of the netherworld of, you know, outside the very top, <clears throat> and you look at the Detroit Lions. So the Lions are in a decent space in this draft. You know, they've got three or four picks basically in the top 100. Their fourth pick is number 101. And... I think that Brad Holmes, after having been in Los Angeles, after having been a scouting director and looking at the college players in this draft, has a very confident feel about what he wants out of this crop. And I think he likes this crop. And it, it really sort of blends in to the needs of the Detroit Lions. Receiver, offensive line are two very big needs. And there are some corners in the second round that they could go get if need be. I really think they would like to trade out. If they stay, I would expect that they would do one of two things. That they would either take Waddle or Smith, whichever receiver is left. Um, or that they'd take the second, uh, they'd take one of the two tackles. Because clearly, that offensive line is something that has never gotten fixed in Detroit. 
And I'm just fascinated by their entire draft this year. We know Dan Campbell is looking for badasses, kneecap biters. And, and the 49ers have done a great job of finding those guys who can flip that switch immediately. And it doesn't matter if you're not practicing tackling. It doesn't matter if you're not practicing in pads. They're going to go out there and they're ready to go. That's how they're built. I think they're going to be looking for guys like that generally. But if Justin Fields is sitting there at seven, that Ohio State connection of Spielman to Fields, I, I just I wonder how strong that draw is going to be because Spielman probably is in position to get a lot more information about Fields than anyone else who's evaluating Fields right now, other than maybe Urban Meyer, and Meyer's already locked in on Lawrence. We mentioned the Panthers. They've got Sam Darnold. They've yet to officially pick up the option. They've said they're going to. It would be a, a $20 million gamble. They've already made a $33 million gamble on Teddy Bridgewater that they're ready to walk away from. Could they really take a quarterback at number eight, Peter? I think they could. Um, I think this is a little ballet dance that they're doing because they've got to move Bridgewater. Uh, I hear Denver is interested in Bridgewater. Um, and so they've got to move Bridgewater. And they, I think they could take a quarterback here, Mike. I don't, I don't think they will necessarily. But this is one of the pivot points of the draft that I think they look at and they see a large number of options that they like. But I'll just tell you this, Mike. So, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you probably saw that Matt Rule, the coach of the Panthers, went down and spent some time with Jimmy Johnson down in Isla Mirada where Jimmy lives. And clearly, Matt Rule, you know, is a sponge. And I know I've heard people talk about him. And and so he's obviously asking Jimmy about a lot of things because Jimmy controlled drafts. And I'll just tell you the one thing that is that sort of sits in the craw and eats at Scott Fitterer, the general manager, and Matt Rule. Over the last eight years, the Panthers have, have averaged 6.2 draft picks per year. And the average number of NFL draft picks over that time is 8.1 because of comp- per team because of compensatory picks. So I think the Panthers look at basically they've been dealing with a talent shortfall. They traded three picks for Sam Darnold they want to come out of this draft with more draft capital. What better way to do that than to trade down to the Patriots at 15, let the Patriots come up and get a quarterback. They get a one from next year and let's say an extra three this year, and they're happy. Ben Fisher of Sports Business Journal pointed out yesterday that the very excellent All or Nothing series on Amazon that would follow a team around for a full season No addition this year because of the pandemic, and it may be done for good. And that's unfortunate because I learned a lot about David Tepper in a short scene in the final episode. And I've mentioned this before, but he made it clear. Coach, GM, and quarterback are the things that allow you to skew 8-8 and into a winning team. The league's set up to be 8-8, and and if you have coach, GM, and quarterback, you go in the other direction. And I I think they are willingly taking their shots – at a guy that could be their their franchise quarterback. They tried it with Teddy Bridgewater. $33 million they will have spent. Didn't work. We tried it. Didn't work. Now Sam Darnold. We're going to try it. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. 
But if that window opens, if the board falls in a way where one of the guys they thought they weren't going to have a shot at is there, that's when you really have to wonder, Peter, whether Tepper gets involved. And we know these owners find a way to get involved. And I think Tepper would be closer to the Jerry Jones end of the spectrum than the owner who has truly nothing to do with the team. I, I, you, gotta, you, you just got to wonder what Tepper's going to say if Lancer Field somehow trickle through to eight. Well, just remember back in 2016 when Jerry Jones desperately, and I mean desperately, wanted Paxton Lynch at the end of the first round of that draft. And Stephen Jones spent 70 minutes, 7-0 minutes on the phone, calling everybody in the NFL in their path. You know, will you make a trade with us? Will you do this? Will you do that? And they were offering basically their second round pick and their fourth at the top of the fourth round. And everybody, that wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. And Seattle finally got a better deal. You know, they wanted the second and third from Dallas. And Seattle finally got the deal they wanted from Denver. Denver took Paxton Lynch. And it's, you know, be careful what you wish for, obviously, in retrospect. But that was a moment where I learned something about Jerry Jones. And, and, and I don't know if this relates to David Tepper, but I'm going to tell you. What I learned about Jerry Jones in that way is he could have big-footed Will McClay and Tom Siskowski and Stephen Jones and Jason Garrett. And he could have said, bleep it. We are making this trade and we're moving up and we're getting Paxton Lynch. But you know what, Mike? He was miserable, but he didn't overrule the football people. And so that's what I think that, especially when Scott Fitterer is just there, he just got there. I just can't envision a general manager being told in his first major decision, you know, since he's been on the job, I can't imagine the owner coming in and saying, hey, I know you got this offer with the Patriots to move down or, or whatever, but we're taking Trey Lance. And, and of look, course the Cowboys might be naive. Get Dak. Might be naive, but Cowboys would go on to get Dak Prescott in that same draft when they did get Paxton Lynch. And it was two years after Jerry Jones very badly wanted to take Johnny Manziel and he was talked out of it by his football people. So the quarterback thing finally worked out for the Dallas Cowboys. It hasn't worked out since Peyton Manning picked the Broncos for Denver. We talked about them earlier, just very briefly, Peter. Look, I think if one of these guys is left, setting aside a trade, if Fields or Lance is left at nine, how does George Payton not start his time as the GM of the Broncos with an opportunity to address the position that has been the biggest gaping hole on that team since Peyton Manning retired? I couldn't agree more, Mike. I think that they would be a candidate to trade up, but not to basically pillage the rest of their draft to do so. Uh, I think Denver at nine is the perfect spot uh, for any of the remaining quarterbacks. And that's why, in my opinion, the five quarterbacks go in the top nine picks. I tend to agree with you. All right, let's take a break. When we return, a little game of which doesn't belong and why on this Friday edition of PFT Live. We'll be right back. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. 
But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I've tried in the past. I, I honest, honest, I've tried to trade back, but it, it's going to be value. I'm not getting fleeced. I, I refuse to do it. And if you know somebody wants to make a bad trade back, God bless them. And, but you know we've had opportunities. I've tried, you know. And there, are, you have to understand the other piece of this. Dan, is sometimes you have a trade, and the guy that the team is trading up for gets picked in front of you. I've had, we've had that happen to us. We got a trade. We got a trade. And the, and so and so selects no trade, Dave. Goodbye. Goodbye, Dave. I can listen to Dave Gettleman all day long. I think every executive and coach of every New York team should sound like Dave Gettleman. I love listening to him. But, Peter, he's got the reputation, the reality, never trading down, never trading down. Giants haven't traded down since they traded down with the Steelers in 2006. Steelers sprang up to get receiver Santonio Holmes. I Look, I don't, I don't know what the Giants are going to do. And I don't doubt that they've had a chance to trade down. I just think he's very hesitant to do it. That guy that's there, your board is has settled on that guy. It's hard to give up the chance to get that guy and to think you're going to have a chance to get someone as good later and get value for consciously giving up that guy who's there and ready for you to take. I mean, I remember, you know, we're about to do this draft of surprise picks and maybe it's recency bias, but. Man, you could have knocked me over with a feather when Dave Gettleman took Daniel Jones sixth overall. I mean, and and I remember I talked to him. That was a couple of years ago. And I remember I talked to him either on Saturday or Sunday of that weekend. And he told me that, I mean, he swore that Daniel Jones would have gotten picked before 17. Um, which, you know, obviously they had an opportunity to get him at 17, or, or, you know, most people thought they would have had an opportunity to get him down then. But I do think there's many times when people in the NFL know things that we don't know. Um, and sometimes you have to take a guy's word for it. And I remember doing some fact-finding after Gettleman said that, and I couldn't find anybody who was going to pick Daniel Jones before that. But, you know, it, it, a lot of a lot of things change after a draft. So... He might he could he could well be right on that, but that one really knocked me over. And the fact is, he's run these drafts and he's never traded down high. So 
I, I think it is a bit of a hole in his resume. Quick game of which doesn't belong and why. Cowboys at 10, Giants at 11, Eagles at 12, which doesn't belong and why. Three NFC East teams back to back to back. I say the Cowboys at 10 because I can't see the Cowboys taking a skill position player in this slot, and I could definitely see both the Giants and the Eagles doing so. I'd say the Eagles at 12 because based upon the story from The Athletic a couple of weeks ago, the fact that Jeffrey Lurie is an amateur Mel Kuyper, I don't know what the hell they're going to do in relation to what their board says, and I don't think they know what they're going to do, and we'll all find out when they do it. Jaguars, Jets, Dolphins, teams with multiple first-round picks, and all three have three picks in the first 36 selections. Which doesn't belong and why? Jaguars, Jets, Dolphins. I'd say the Dolphins because the Dolphins are the one team that's not going to take the quarterback. Um, although you are spreading the the kernels of, uh, of, of, you know, sort of quarterback seeds on the ground in front of the Dolphins. I don't see it. Those other teams, obviously, the first two picks in the draft are both going to be quarterbacks. Yeah, I may be spreading something other than kernels on that point, but just trying to have fun with all the possibilities. The Jaguars don't belong because, to me, the Jaguars are a team, and I know Trent Baalke's there as the GM, but Urban Meyer, introduction to the NFL, running his first draft. We heard him complain about free agency. I, this is all new to him. So who knows what they're going to do? And they've been hiding in plain sight with the number one overall pick all this time. We don't talk about the Jaguars nearly as much as we should be, given they've got the first overall pick for the first time in franchise history, and they're taking a guy who's been ordained as the first pick in this draft for more than two years. Last one, which doesn't belong and why, from Tom Petty, I mean Tom Brady's list of pet peeves, being taken 199th, the Royals player Petty who, had the, who had the Brady jersey on and said Patrick Mahomes is better, or the single-digit jersey expansion, which of those three peeves from Tom Petty don't belong and why. And there's there's the Royals player whose name I knew the other day because it was in front of me. I don't know who it is now. I know it's not Brady, but but uh, which doesn't belong and why? Oh, that's that's I didn't even see that. That is hilarious. I'd say the one that doesn't belong is the Jersey expansion because that is something that actually happened. You know, that's that's a that's a that's a uh, you know a new NFL rule. The other things are just falderall. Well, one ninety being picked one ninety nine is not falderall because it has motivated that guy. He has held a grudge longer than yeah. anyone for twenty one years. He's still upset. And as Sims pointed out when we talked about it not that long ago, when we see that picture of him from the combine, we know why he went one ninety nine. It's his own fault he went one ninety nine. <laughs> And then he becomes motivated by the fact that, uh, you know, he deserved to go 199. Let's take a break. When we return, as promised, the biggest holy crap moments in NFL draft history. We'll do that next on PFT Live. We didn't go earth shattering on these games, right? I played a couple of them at rock, paper, scissors, right? That was as easy as that. Rock, paper, scissors. Let's see how competitive you are. I'm competitive. I'm going to be talking trash to them. Did you talk trash back to me? Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh, damn it. Ready to go double or nothing? Or are you going to rest at 1-0 at rock, paper, scissors? 
Let's do double or nothing. All right, here we go. Ready? Ready? Here we go. Rock, yep. paper, scissors, shoot. I got paper. One. Aha! We're one and one. One and one. I'll take it. We, we can't add one on one. All right, one more time. Here we go. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Ah, the rock crushes the scissors, and Kellen Mond wins the series. I think he cheated on the last one. I think he waited for me to show scissors before he showed rock, but that's all right. Hey, we do learn a little bit. I learned a little bit about that's Kellen Mond. He didn't to want to rest. He didn't want to rest at one and one, Peter. Couldn't couldn't take the tie. No ties for Kellen Mond. There's got to be a winner. All right. Uh, what were the that's winners? That's why the 49ers should take him. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that would be a holy cow draft moment for sure. That's today's draft. Peter, give me one. <laughs> um, my biggest holy cow draft moment is 1999. Ricky Williams, uh, the New Orleans Saints trading eight draft picks for Ricky Williams and trading with Washington. And the greatest thing about this trade is that the first pick that Washington took after Ricky Williams went to New Orleans turned out to be a far better player than Ricky Williams in NFL history, Champ Bailey. And so Washington moved back and with the first player showed that it won the trade. Didn't even have to make any of the other seven picks. The uh, second running back taken in that draft was Ricky Williams. Do you remember who the first one was? I don't. Uh, no. Edger and James. Edger and James. Indianapolis Colts. Ooh. That was oh, the that's first right. That was the uh, that was the Bill Polian. Yeah. The first yeah. website I ever worked for, NFLTalk.com. Their first big scoop was being on to the Colts taking Edger and James because the Colts had ordered up a bunch of film from NFL Films on James because it was not nearly as high tech as it is today. And the, the breadcrumbs were there, and the Colts took Edger and James. All right, it's got to be the Laramie Tunsil gas mask incident for me from 2016 feels like yesterday all hell broke loose this guy's poised to be one of the top picks in the draft and then all of a sudden somebody hacks his social media account puts a video up of him smoking weed in a gas mask bong the free fall starts the dolphins get him and then the postscript is they flip him a few years later for multiple picks and they they're, they're running the draft now thanks to the laramie tunsil trade after he landed in their laps five years ago and there's the notorious photo of Laramie Tunsil from five years ago. That was a holy cow draft moment. Um, I'm going to give you one other one. Al Davis picking Jamarcus Russell number one overall in 2007. And every scout in the National Football League immediately had to pick up their jaws off the floor because nobody thought he was the first pick in the draft. Al loved him because he could throw the ball a country mile. But that was his only skill. Current Raiders GM Mike Mayock said in that cycle that Jamarcus Russell had the best pro day workout he had ever seen in his life. So, uh, hey, but Calvin Johnson was on the board, and we know how Al Davis loves receivers, fast receivers. Calvin Johnson fast enough. They passed on him. The Lions got him. For me, 2003, a year after the Vikings failed to pounce on an opportunity to take a pick when the Chiefs had taken too long to select Ryan Sims at defensive tackle, the Vikings let the clock right. run out because they were trying to work a trade between the Ravens and the Jaguars to come up to get Byron Leftwich. The clock ran out on them. They got leapfrogged, I think, by a couple of teams before they finally put in the Bryant-McKinney pick. No, 
Brian McKinney was the guy that they took in 20, in 2000. No, no, no. It was Kevin Williams, 2002, Bryant McKinney, 2003. Either way, two straight years, the Vikings had clock mishaps. Uh, the first one was stunning. The second one was 10 times worse because of what had happened the year before. Yeah, that was an amazing story. And it's funny, it, it almost seems like you've got things built in now to prevent that from happening. Uh, but that was, you just said, what in the world are they doing? Um, my last one, Mike, I'm going to go back way back in the day when no one probably even notices this, but I'm saying that in retrospect, to see that in 1964, Roger Staubach, even with the military service ahead of him, the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, far and away the best quarterback in college football, gets picked 129th in the draft by the Dallas Cowboys. Turned out to be the key to their, their little uh, you know, dynastic run in the 70s. But it'll, it always amazes me. Can you imagine if, if a Roger Staubach, if a great quarterback... If there was military service today and Trevor Lawrence was in the draft and he was going to be gone for four years, he'd still be the, what, third, fourth, fifth, sixth pick in this draft because everybody would say, my God, whenever he does come out, he'll be 26 years old and he'll have 12 years or 14 years, whatever, to be a great quarterback. To think that Staubach went 129th, when I look back at that, it's, it's a stunner to me. Yeah, you're right. The importance of quarterback today, there's no way he lasts that long, even if he is going to be out of pocket for a while. Last one for me did not happen on the first day of the draft, but it was a huge moment. It was when out of the clear blue sky, the Patriots traded with the Raiders for Randy Moss at a time when we all thought he was washed up. And maybe at the t it was still a stunner at the time that the Patriots would even want him because we thought he was washed up. Like, why are they giving up a fourth-round pick for Randy Moss? He's got nothing left. The past two years, it's been a debacle. And then he goes on to have arguably the greatest season for any receiver in NFL history in his first year with the Patriots, fueling that 18-0 run that stopped short of a Super Bowl championship. You got any more? We got time for one more? He stopped yeah. short. He, no, he, I don't have another short. one. Sorry, Mike. Uh, <laughs> let, me tell you, let me tell you one let me tell you one that I tripped over while I was doing the research today. I, got, I, saw, I ran over a couple of good things that were very interesting. George Allen, when he was coaching Washington in the early 70s, traded the same pick twice. He traded a third-round pick to the Jets, and then he traded it to the Rams. Traded it twice. And, I, and, and, he, and of course, they eventually figured it out, and he got in trouble, but... Uh, we think that some of these coaches today are up to no good. George Allen pulling a fast one, but not getting away with it all those years ago, trying to trade the same pick twice. Let's take a break. When we return, a sneak peek at Peter King's mock draft that comes Monday in Football Morning in America. More PFT Live right after this. Peter King, Mock Draft, coming on Monday as we get into draft week, and we'll be talking about it on PFTPM that day. Let me guess. Let me guess. Jaguars taking Trevor Lawrence at number one. Am I right? So, Mike, you know, one of the things about a mock draft is that um, everybody kind of, 
the, the top is the same for most people. So I thought since we we're going to do a little bit of a preview, I would talk about three teams that are sort of down the line in the draft, like the Raiders at 17. You know, one of the great things about our job today is that you can look at a, a site like Pro Football Focus, which ranks players on every snap that they play, and you can kind of analyze the roster, certainly not one one-hundredth of the way Mayock and Gruden do, but you can see some of the needs that they have. There might be no team in the NFL with bigger needs at corner than the Raiders. And in my opinion, I think 17 for them is a Caleb Farley type pick. He's a great Raider type pick. He can play bump if he has to. Uh, and, and he's great in man. He's a big guy. And he's in a division where one quarter of your schedule every year is Mahomes and Justin Herbert. So I like that there. Number 22, the Tennessee Titans. I'm hearing that they're interested in trading down and think they will be able to trade down. So I may have them trade out of that pick. And then number 23 at the New York Jets, I really think they're going to go pass rusher uh, down low with this second pick. Um, and, you know, look, if Jalen Phillips is there, I don't think he will be. Uh, or maybe his Miami teammate, Gregory Rousseau, who's not quite as high on some teams' boards as Gregory Rousseau. So those are three teams that, that uh, I thought I'd give you a quick little uh, take on. There was a bit of a kerfuffle earlier this week about Rousseau's draft stock, and his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, went on record and said he's heard from multiple teams that have said they're taking him in round one. And you can call that fluff, but here's the thing. Once you plant that idea in the client's head, if he doesn't go in the one round, you got a problem. We got a problem. We're out of time. Enjoy your weekend. See you Monday. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.